There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. This is episode number 232, and we are back today with another one of our Rut Radio episodes in which we're getting real-time from the field updates on what's happening across the woods as far as deer activity, deer behavior, and the tactics that are working right now. Alright, welcome to Wired Hunts Rut Radio, brought to you by Onyx. This is your host, Spencer Newharth, and on the other end is Mark Kenyon, now returned home from North Dakota, but having some technical difficulties. What's going on, Mark? (laughs) Yeah. I forgot my podcast mic in Montana, in my truck. I flew home from Montana because I'm only home for a week, and I'm flying back out for an elk hunt. So I've got an old podcast mic at home that I thought would work, but it is not working right now. So, yeah, I'm calling in from my cell phone. So thanks for for dealing with that and, and running the show today, Spencer. But uh, another Rut Radio, right? Um, what do we have in store for this week's episode? We have four hunters from across the nation. We start off with Lee Ellis from Seek One Productions in Georgia. Then we talk to Mark Knight in Kansas from Midwest Whitetail Adventures. And then we go to Maryland. And from Sons of Fall, we talk to Paul Lover. And then we have Trent Siegel from Heartland Bow Hunter in Wyoming. Sounds like a good slate. Um, do we have a South Dakota update? Uh, my my South Dakota update it is is that it has been really poor for me. Um, the The hope of getting a velvet buck is gone. Uh, most of my deer now are polished, including Dan, the the deer that I was after. Um, and I hunted like. I think it was six or seven out of those first 10 days and it is honestly probably the worst string of haunts i've ever put together it, it was really <laughs> poor really poor um not a lot of deer movement for me a lot of mosquitoes um and the problem was is that i was focusing on hunting uh 
like the obvious food sources like soybeans, but the deer were not having any of it. I was experiencing like what most people consider the lull uh, in early September. And normally I don't even see the lull that much come October. And so uh, I think for the, the area that I'm at, it got pushed up to, to this early. Um, and, and there's just so much uh, other food sources available. You take a walk in the woods and, and you find that there are uh, there's tons of ragweed available that they eat, uh, beggar's lice, the, the wild plums are available, apples are falling. Uh, something that's hugely underrated is mushrooms, and we've had some cooler, rainier weather, and so there are all kinds of different edible mushrooms available. Um, and so the deer just have no use for soybeans, and my time spent watching those soybean fields has not gone well. Man. That's disappointing. So South Dakota, not real hot right now. Um, any kind of general consensus from folks you've talked to so far as, as far as what kind of stuff we're seeing across the rest of the country? Has it been good, bad, anything high level you can tell me? Uh, across the rest of the country, it has been pretty solid. Um, you know, from the people I talked to this week, you can still catch some of those deer at the end of their summer patterns. Um, but as far as buck movement, they're starting to break up from those bachelor groups. Those are just about uh, gone. And then uh, the deer are getting polished antlers as well. And so uh, there's a lot of thoughts that the movement is starting to become a little bit more nocturnal uh, as more seasons open up as far as there are some firearm seasons across the nation that are opening, um, some different antlerless seasons that are opening. And so with that increased deer pressure and the loss of those summer patterns, uh, it sounds like right now is, is the time in September to get a buck on the ground. Otherwise, uh, you know, it, it'll be a steady decrease until we get to October. Interesting. Well, uh, I can I can report from North Dakota a little bit for you if, uh, if you want that. We were out there at the end of last week, you know, since I filled my Montana tag. And as far as activity, I'd give it probably like a a four out of ten. Probably it was pretty poor. Um, I, I don't want to give away too much because I'm going to talk about this on the main show with Dan this week. But um, had a pretty tough go at it. Didn't see a whole lot of activity. Um, we had one night we went to a new area and found some deer that were feeding on what looked like um, a cover crop that had been planted in a field um, that maybe could be something like turnips, some kind of brassica, it sort of looked like, coming out of the ground. Um, that was the one thing we were able to key in on for one hunt where there was some some good daylight activity. Otherwise, slim pickings, hot weather, not a lot of movement. So now I'm now I'm back in Michigan for a little bit, looking forward to October 1st for my next whitetail hunt and uh, hopefully better conditions then. Yeah, and I don't think what I've been seeing in South Dakota is uh... – indicative of what's going on in the rest of the state or the rest of the nation for that matter. Uh, it's just that how my property set up, it is either uh, very safe hunts on field edges looking at soybeans or it's really aggressive hunts, uh, the, the kind of stands that I you know wouldn't be in until we get to the end of October. And so I, I just um, don't have very many good options for this time of year when there's so much other food available. And, and one good uh glimpse that i got into that is for one of my setups there are two trails that come by one is at like 23 yards and the other one's at like 31 
and to keep those deer uh, at the 23-yard trail, I cut off a large branch from the tree that I'm in. I believe it's an ash tree, and I covered up that trail. Um, and some does and her fawns came by the other night, and they actually stood there eating on the leaves from that tree. And so it's just a, a you know, a good glimpse of all the different food available to these deer that they don't even need to make it to the soybeans that are 100 yards away. They could just stand there and eat all this other green stuff available. Yep, that's uh, that could be a challenge when they're not keying in on the thing that you're keying in on. I hear you there. Well, I I'm interested to hear what you got today. Sounds like we got a good diverse group of folks. Um, I know there's a lot of people that are kicking off their seasons here soon. There's a lot of September 15th openers coming up. I think so. I'm sure people will be curious to hear what's happening in the woods now and what to look forward to in the next week. So, I'd say Spencer. I'm good to go unless you've got any other updates you need to share before we get this thing kickstarted. Nope. You uh, figure out your mic before the next episode, and we'll talk to you next week, Mark. Sounds good. Thanks, Spencer. Before we get to our first update, let's pause for a word from our sponsors at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Brad Ferris, a land specialist out of central Mississippi. And Brad is going to be telling us about some Midwest hunting techniques that don't apply to southern whitetails. The, the biggest difference in, in hunting whitetails in the south versus the midwest, to me, is it has to do more with climate than anything. You still want to be very respectful of the deer, where they, your, your sanctuary areas, your quiet areas. I mean, it, it, I mean, I treat that exactly the same. In the south, it's usually not as hilly in most places, so there's not as many natural pinch points as you find in kind of the rolling hills of the of the Midwest, I have found. And, and the deer typically, the mature deer don't move. They're not on their feet as much in the south until the rut gets here. I mean, I know that's common in the, in the Midwest too, but there's many times you won't see a deer in the daylight until – you know, that four or five rut period, and then once that's gone, they're, they're done. You don't see them again. So the one thing we don't have here that Midwest deer hunters have is we don't have the bitter cold temperatures that we can really get deer on their feet in a food plot scenario, whether it be standing corn, standing beans, some type of crop that we put out there to leave for the deer in the in the frigid temperatures. And, and they only feed early because it's cold. We don't We don't have that here. You do not have that opportunity many places they have browse year-round in the south because we just don't get that little temperatures cold stuff so a lot of the techniques are the same you just have to adjust your thought process because deer do not move as much so you got to really focus on trying to get close to them in those tight spaces without spooking them because that's that heck will move far from them hardly ever in the south if you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that brad currently has listed for sale Visit whitetailproperties.com backslash Ferris. That's F-A-R-R-I-S. All right, and joining us on the line first is Lee Ellis of Seek One Productions in Georgia. Now, Lee, in Georgia, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I'd probably say it's, it's probably been like a 7. Um, it's been pretty good but it's also been really hot and i think it's caused a lot of these deer to kind of lay up during the day and use more nighttime but um if you can get close enough to their bedroom 
um, these deer are still in their summer areas. Um, so it's still been pretty good. There's still been, we've been seeing plenty of bucks. Um, there's been some guys around us that have had some success too. Lee, give us so. a little bit of a background on what your setups look like right now and uh, tell the audience, uh, you know, the kind of environment that you guys hunt in. Yeah, so our, we're based out of Atlanta. Our environment is constantly changing. Sometimes it's um, tighter areas and neighborhoods. Sometimes it's, you know, we've got spots that are 800 acres, but we're constantly looking for these summering areas where these bucks like to spend their summertime growing out their antlers, and it absolutely has to revolve around their food source. Um, we like to look for areas that, uh, have a lot of kudzu and that's a, um, just a really similar lab lab. It's a really viney and it just viney plant and it grows into a jungle and it's just got these really, really big leaves that are high in protein. So these deer can get in these areas with kudzu and disappear. It's just really, really thick cover and they can get up and have an absolute buffet in front of them all day um so we try and key in on areas like that uh where there's cut around that always seems to hold bachelor versus bucks uh, this time of year so where do you, um, where do you have success finding that kudzu is that like something right out of someone's backyard or are they in kind of uh, yeah i mean industrial so it, areas industrial areas along roadways you'd be very very surprised uh just driving down the roads and whatnot where you see big patches of kudzu because it's used for erosion and uh along roadways and stuff like that but it grows so fast that it ventures on back into the woods and sometimes right off these roads there would be these massive kudzu patches and 99 percent of people drive by them don't even think twice about them uh but usually more often times than not there there's a bachelor group that'll grow out in a good kudzu patch in the summer so really i mean we we do a lot of work on, you know, Google Maps and whatnot, but a lot of times it's just kind of pounding the pavement and actually laying eyes on where the cuds is growing. Now, how are you finding these deer early season? Are you scouting in person, out there glassing small properties, or are you just running a lot of trail cameras? We, we do a mixed bag of everything. We're, <clears throat> we'll glass these uh, kudzu patches, and it's, I mean, it's like clockwork in the evenings when they're growing out. They'll hop up. 30 minutes before dark and get up and get feeding. So we do a lot of glassing around different kudzu patches. You can get a pretty good idea of, um, you know, what's in the area doing that. But we also run at any given time, probably 40, 40 to 50 trail cams. Um, so we're just keeping as many eyes out there as we can. And when we get into an area where we've identified a buck that we want to go after, instead of having our 40 or 50 cameras kind of spread all throughout, once we find a deer that we want to hunt, we'll kind of pull, you know, seven or eight of those cameras and concentrate them in that area and really try and kind of lock down exactly where that deer is spending most of his time, where he's most, most comfortable. Um, so it's, it's a lot of trail camera work. And I, I think identifying uh, a buck's bedroom this time of year is super super key uh because they're they're pretty predictable still in this phase where they're still in their summer areas they're still getting up and feeding um i think you know in the next week or so they're going to begin to kind of branch out of those areas um so this time you know in the next week or so we actually have to go refine a lot of our deer because they've left their summering areas 
So it's kind of that, that first weekend, first week where those bucks are still in that area. But, you know, sometimes we'll actually, you know, we'll have a bunch of cameras in one area looking for a certain buck and he'll be showing up on all of them, but he'll be showing up, you know, closer to daylight on this camera. And we'll kind of use clues and things like that to figure out which direction he's coming from and really lock down his bedroom area. And sometimes you can miss it as little as a hundred yards. And that means that can be the difference of seeing that buck on the hoof in daylight or having him come in, you know, 15, 20 minutes after shooting light. Sometimes it's that small of a change that makes all the difference. I know you said that you'll be changing your strategy here in about a week or so. Um, is that because the kudzu is no longer relevant or is that something that you'll focus on all season long? No, so the, they, they leave the kudzu here um, basically the first week. They'll leave it. They'll come back to it on occasion, but they really start switching to, um, you know, your acorns and things like that as they start to fall. Uh, plus, I just think they get really antsy and they're, you know, dropping their velvet, their hormones are starting to get going, their testosterone is starting to pump, and they just, I feel like they just have to move around. They're starting to venture more, um, kind of checking out the areas that they may go into rut and things like that. Um, but they'll, sometimes they'll completely abandon these summer areas and will not come back until late, late in the year. So um, we use their summering areas as a clue, but kind of in the next week when they start to, to leave, we got to go back into the, the phase of, of getting as many areas as we can to put cameras out and kind of refine where that deer went. Going forward then this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Georgia? I think that it's probably going to drop. I think that people will probably get more trail camera pictures of new deer and things like that. I don't think it's going to be a ton of daytime activity. Um, so I expect your, your daytime activity of bucks to drop, but I also expect, um, for people to probably be getting more pictures of new bucks that are kind of leaving their summer areas and venturing into new places. It's kind of a, a double-edged deal there where, uh, I think that it's going to be tougher in the next week to get a, get a, a mature buck in daylight. Uh, but at the same time, I think that people are going to be seeing new deer, that they can kind of begin to figure out and put the pieces together on. We guys can follow along with their hunts at the Seek One Productions Facebook page or check out their show on Carbon TV, Suburban Bow Hunter. Lee, thanks for joining me and good luck this year in Atlanta. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right. And joining us on the line next is Mark Knight in Kansas from Midwest Whitetail Adventures. Now, Mark, on a scale of one to 10, what would you say the buck activity has been lately? I think this week uh, for our youth season here in Kansas is probably, we'll give it a six out of a 10. Um, I think, you know, so you, you got a few things working against us. Uh, early last week, you know, deer were all in velvet, very, very patternable. Uh, season started on Saturday. Uh, you know, some food sources were changing a little bit. The beans and the crops look really good. Um, I think, you know, this time of year, you deer start separating and they start, you know, kind of figuring out who's who's who and, and it gets a little tougher, and I think that's kind of what happened to us this, this past week. And how is this season compared to seasons past when it comes to having successful youth hunters? Last year we had um, 10 youth hunters. We went 8 for 10, killed 2 over 170, and then also killed one that was like 165. This year our best deer was 145 inches, and it's, you know, it's, it's a week later this year, so 
you know, that, that changed things for us. Uh, I didn't really realize how, how it was going to be being a week later, but, uh, you know, it definitely, we had to make some adjustments and in, to, to get on the deer, like, you know, like we did last year. Uh, it is September 11th as we are recording this and, and what percentage of bucks would you say still have velvet? There's some smaller ones that still got it, but the big mature ones are definitely, um, what we're seeing on cameras now that they've all, they've all shed and they're, they're, they're a hard horn. Now I know in that part of the country, uh, the rain has been kind of spotty this summer and this fall. Uh, how has it been for you guys and has that affected the food sources at all? Yeah, early season, you know, early in the year, um, Kansas was in a, in a, a, a pretty good drought, but we started getting the rain. We started getting the rain and everything got really good. Um, past couple, well, past couple of months, we've definitely got them, you know, the rains that we needed. The, the second crop beans are just about as good as the, the first crop. So everything's looking good. I mean, our, our food plots, we're, we're getting ready to put those in now. We, we got last week, we intended on putting them in, but, we got about nine inches of rain there in our location in about a 24 hour period. So it kind of stopped us on that. Do you guys do any morning setups then with those youth hunters or are these all evening setups? Uh, about 95% they're all evening setups. That's what we, we plan on doing every year. But sometimes if we can find, you know, we'll check the cameras. We find something we can get in behind, you know, the bean fields and uh, slip into a bedding area we will this morning. We did the same thing. Took a guy from Pennsylvania in, um, got him in real early in a bedding area, big CRP field off, 14 bucks, came by him, and he, he shot one. It was scored 145, so it was a pretty good move for us to make it happen for the guy. Well, how will setups change for you guys as we get into mid-September, the end of September? Uh, you mentioned that it, it's going to get tougher hunting, so how will you guys adjust then? Well, I think our, our muzzleloader season is going to start on Monday. I think that, you know, the deer will definitely start coming back to the feeders. Uh, like I said, it's very unusual this week for the, you know, kind of what happened, but they'll get back on those feeders and uh, food sources will start changing, beans will start turning yellow. So then we'll shift to the milos. Those, those deer, the milos getting real red. And, and, and when it turns like that right there, those big bucks will go to those milo fields. So we just kind of shift. We've been doing it so long, we kind of, kind of know what we're doing going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity will look like on a scale of one to ten in kansas one to ten in kansas if you're in the right location and and you got a little bit of luck on your side you could kill a giant it could be an eight yeah i think that uh i think you're gonna you're gonna see some really big deer get killed out there because you know it's you know september with a muzzleloader anytime you're in kansas you stand an opportunity to kill a giant i mean Years past, um, we've we've harvested some over 200 inches because, you know, like I, I tell people that that try to book with me, they're like, you know, what's it going to be like? You know, afternoon hunts are going to be good. They're going to be uh, if it's cool. If you get a little bit a cool snap, it could be you know you could start seeing deer two hours for for dark. But if it warms up, um, you know, it could be a little tougher. It could be you know right toward the end of the hunt. But as I look at the weather for you know forecast for the next couple of weeks it's going to be warm this week but it's going to get down in the you know 71 72 for the highs uh 58 59 which uh it, it, they're going to be good so you know we'll, we'll uh definitely hunt our setups in the afternoon but we'll kind of venture to some of these bedding areas and set up and try to see what's coming back to bed but you know keep the deer out in the field a little bit longer in the mornings so you you, you do have an opportunity to to harvest one in the morning 
Art Mark will well done on getting those youth hunters some great deer. Good luck the rest of the season. Thanks for joining me. All righty. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right, and joining us on the line next from Maryland is Paul Laver from Sons of Fall TV. Now, Paul, in Maryland, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd say on a scale of 1 to 10, it's been on the high side, an 8 to a 9. And the Maryland season opened on September 7th, so we're five days into the season. And there's some Facebook feeds that uh, Maryland hunters upload their their photos to and it's it's been pretty amazing the number of giant bucks that have been killed the first five days of the season mainly due to the cold colder temperatures saturday sunday monday we had temperatures in the in the 60s during the day and high 50s at night which is completely unseasonable for this area but uh in the last couple of days uh yesterday and today it's back up into the 80s again so i expect buck movement to kind of slow down again uh, regarding weather, there is the the hurricane that is currently threatening the coast. How do you think that's going to change deer movement? Uh, you know, we're we're expecting a, a pretty large storm surge in the Maryland area, especially the Chesapeake Bay and tributary regions. Uh, in fact, today I just pulled my boat off the lift, and you know, expecting a big storm surge. So. I think it's going to keep a lot of hunters out of the woods, uh, which is going to keep the sightings down. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of wind, a lot of rain. So I expect buck, buck movement to be pretty pretty slow this week. Do you notice any trends before or after a large storm like that as far as buck movement goes? Uh, you know, as always, you know, when the wind or when the wind and rain, not really so much the wind, but when the rain stops, you know, you're going to see a, a surplus of deer out in the, on the soybean fields and we're actually, uh, some, some fields of corn are already starting to be uh, uh, harvested, so I think we're going to see a lot of deer out in these cornfields that have been harvested uh, in, the, in the coming week or two. Tell me a little bit more about the food sources in that area. Uh, do, does large agriculture kind of dominate for deer movement, or is there some large mass? Yeah, and, and I, you know, listen, my area that I focus in is the eastern shore of Maryland. Uh, there's a there's some big bucks being shot down in southern Maryland. That's where a lot of these bigger bucks that were reported in the first couple days. But the eastern shore, it's, you know, it truly just soybeans and corn. That That is the, the bulk of the, the food plots that are out there you know, farming hardwoods and uh, corn and soybeans. For those folks that have been successful thus far then, do you have any idea what their setups look like? If it's morning or evenings, if they're focusing on food or, or getting in close to those well, beds? Yeah, we have a we have a cast member, Kyle, that uh, shot a really nice Maryland deer on the opening day, September 7th. And it was an evening hunt. Uh, thunderstorm showers were in the area uh, he was lucky to, to get the deer coming in before the showers really let loose so he's got that on film uh we you know we're expecting to have that on the show for everybody in the spring to see so you know i listen i don't know everybody's setups but you know most of most of what we do at sons of fall a lot of climbers a lot of uh hanging hunts and a lot of lock-on tree stands that are you know if it's private property it's lock-ons if it's um if it's state land, it's it's climbers. So, going forward, then it's next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in Maryland? I would put it at a four or five uh, this coming week, given the uh, doom and gloom of this hurricane that's off the coast. 
All right, well, thanks for joining me, Paul. You guys can check out their new series, The Huntsman, on The Hunt Channel, Amazon Prime, Roku, YouTube, and some other streaming services as well. Good luck this season to you and your other cast members. Yeah, thank you for having us. Appreciate it. All right, and joining us on the line last is Trent Siegel from Heartland Bowhunter, currently hunting in Wyoming. Now, Trent, in Wyoming, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd say seven. Uh, we've seen shooter about every set uh, so far on this trip. Um, just haven't gotten quit, but uh, the activity has been awesome, to say the least. Well, on that trip, it looks like you've been uh, covered up in deer, and you've been hunting some mornings as well as evenings. Tell us a little bit about those setups. Yeah, so in the mornings, we've been getting back in the timber. The acorns are falling right now here like crazy. And it's the wind. You can just hear them hitting the ground like it's raining. So we've been back hunting in the oak flats, um, catching them coming off the alfalfa fields, going back to bed. And then it's uh, super hot here in the afternoon. So uh, the ranch one has some ponds and some stock tanks of water and we've been hunting those in the afternoons and they've been awesome Um, lots of activity on them for those morning setups how aggressive are you guys like your stand in reference to the beds how close are you to to where they're trying to get to uh i would say i mean probably at least five or six hundred yards away there um you know, deep in the bedding area, we've, we've been trying to get a couple hundred yards, um, you know, probably 300 yards south from fields back in the oaks, just trying to catch them coming off those fields in the morning. Cause, uh, it's like complete opposite from back home. We have some trail cameras up and I checked one today and it's been out for two days and I, and I kid you not a single infrared picture on it are completely different than at home. I mean, they don't, they don't move here. It's, it's unreal. Um, we, we found a dead deer the other day that had been killed. And, um, you know, we, we were smelling, we saw some buzzers going over there and it was all covered up in grass and had the, the run out of it. And so I don't know if that has something to do with it, but I mean, these deer just, they, they don't move at night. They're holding us out. You've been out there for a few days now. Uh, what have you seen as far as the bachelor groups breaking up? Are they still together or are a lot of those bucks flying solo at this point? No, they're definitely um, still bacheloring up big time. Um, all the bucks are pretty much running together. And then um, all the does, do, there's doe groups. And then pretty much every doe has two fawns with it, it seems like. Um, but yeah, big bachelor group still, you know, I think tonight we had a group of seven bucks come in at one time later in the night there. What chance are you still seeing these deer on their summer patterns? And are you uh, sometimes having encounters with the same deer night after night? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, most, most all the bucks we've seen have, have been out of velvet um, here within the last week, uh, but they're definitely still on a summer pattern. They're not, walking the same trail per se every day, but they're definitely hitting the same fields. I mean, going back to the same area to bed. Going forward then next week or so, what do you think that buck activity will be on a scale of one to 10 in Wyoming? 
I can't imagine it's going to be any worse. Um, looking at the forecast, I'd say it's still going to, with the Bucks still bachelored up, I, I would assume and, and guess that they're going to stay in those same patterns. All right, Trent. Well, good luck in Wyoming, and uh, look forward to seeing what you guys come up with this season at Heartland Bowhunter. Thanks for joining me. You bet. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired to Haunts Rot Radio. Thanks to our guests, Lee, Mark, Paul, and Trent, and thank you guys for listening. As always, follow Wired to Haunt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and follow my new blog, Rutfresh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. At Rutfresh, you'll find some additional deer reports from states like South Carolina, Kentucky, and North Dakota, as well as some more reports coming out this week from places like Nebraska, New Jersey, and South Dakota. Good luck to everyone out there who is still hunting for a mid-September buck, and stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.